All right, so the season is over, and we have a full calendar of races to look back on to see were the technical regulations successful. So what do you think? Well, hey, Matt. Um, hey. It really depends. I think that if you ask the teams, I think Red Bull would say absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Mercedes would scream the opposite conclusion. <laughs> um, Ferrari. Well, I guess that's that. That's a, a good point. Like, we should define successful, right? I think one way that we could probably look at it is to maybe we should probably, I don't know what you think, but we can go back and reflect on like what, what they were trying to accomplish with these rules. And then we could talk about if that happened and why and all that sort of stuff. So what's your opinion? What, 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 what do you think they were trying to accomplish in the 2022 rules specifically? Well, yeah. So they were trying to accomplish a lot of things, but I think fundamentally there's been a trend over the last, I mean, many decades, right, of the cars slowly over time not being able to follow each other as well, and that limits overtaking, which is why DRS was brought in to begin with in like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. And so the rules were basically, okay, let's see if we can completely redesign the way downforce works so that it's not arrow downforce it's like uh well i guess it's still technically arrow <laughs> it's not yeah. over the car downforce it's under the car downforce and so that's but like in essence didn't they you could say they returned to what's called the ground effects type car right right we, we haven't yeah. seen since the late 80s late 70s early 80s right yeah and so, like, yeah, I think that's kind of what they were trying to aim for mm -hmm. is, is so. redesign a car so that they can follow each other and pass more effectively, which, in my opinion, uh, and I'm kind of curious what, how you see this. In my opinion, I think they did a much better job than they have over the last few years, obviously, but I still do think that there's some room for improvement, but I'm, I'm curious kind of where you're at. Well, you know, it's interesting. If we take the issue of, like, can the cars, like, I think Ross Braun, if, now that I'm remembering it, you know, it was very clear that they wanted the cars to be able to follow closer in, quote, unquote, dirty air, you know, which they weren't able right. to do before. So, right. I mean, because if we go back to the original reason DRS was started, so I'm just going to give the really brief explanation for it so sure yeah. so it, it, here's what happens the car is going down the street and he's got another car in front of him and this is this is pre-drs so he, he he makes up all this ground down the street because he's got the slipstream and perhaps even a faster car you know and and then by the time he gets to the end of the first straight if he was unable to make the pass in the first turn or two you know even though he's got a momentum built up what would happen is he would lose over time that entire gain through the series of curves and and then he would fall back because the cars couldn't follow in dirty air and so and then he would catch back up in the back straight and the same it was rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat so originally they said okay you know, we need to give a little, we, we need to make up this artificial deficit because the cars are losing time artificially be due to duty air, dirty air, duty air. We got to cut that out. Due, <laughs> due to dirty air. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> due to dirty air in the corners. That's kind of like a, you know, due to other ground effects issues that was seen as mm -hmm. like an artificial um, limitation. So, 
what they wanted to do was fix that by allowing DRS the you know, in essence, you know, make the wing smaller, <laughs> a big hole in the middle mm-hmm. so you can catch up and, you know, and whatever percentage of time they were losing in the corners, they can make up in the straight and it would keep everything even. So that, that's why it came into the sport. And then they modified wing, front wings, rear wings, you know, skirts, side pods, a million things between then and now. Mm-hmm. And, and finally they got to the point where they're like, okay, Let's make a huge change in the chassis, which in effect brought back the ground effect. But I think it was successful in the sense that the cars can follow in corners now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And so to me, I was kind of surprised, to be perfectly honest, that they didn't change DRS at all this year. I kind of thought, I don't know what you thought. Really? I I am. I don't know what you thought, but I thought, okay, problem solved. They, they're they following closely in the corners. My guess is maybe by the summer break or at certain tracks, they're going to scale back DRS and maybe reduce the zones or do away with it in a couple of venues to see how it goes. And I didn't see that. And it was kind of surprising to me as the season wore on because, I you know, it was like the whole reason they did it. Now, Granted, the porpoising effect that Mercedes and other teams suffered may have been the reason they didn't do that. They may have thought, well, we can't inflict any more pain on these guys. But I can think of a really big reason why they didn't do it. And I'm glad I'm really, really, really glad they didn't change DRS midseason. Okay, if you have half the season with DRS in one configuration Mm -hmm. and then half the season with DRS in another configuration, Mm -hmm that could potentially have such a dramatic impact on the actual standings on the championship where some person like say, you know, Ferrari was a lot stronger early on, right? Say they're able to capitalize on the DRS a lot better in the first half. And then in the second half, Red Bull wasn't able to catch up because DRS was less effective. You now then have Red Bull with the superior car, not able to take the championship. Well, in theory, in theory, in theory, theory, theory. of course, of course. So I, I think I think for for things as substantial as DRS, yeah. you don't want to make those changes midseason. Yeah, yeah, that's you know I, I, that's probably true. I I just in being honest, I was surprised that they left it in when they, but not completely because I thought okay, they're going to go one season and see if they've achieved the following closer in the corners thing, and then they're going to mm-hmm. scale back DRS. I've heard nothing about them scaling back DRS in 2023, so l- let me say that that certainly surprises me. Because, because again, again, my, my position here is that DRS was an artificial, it's something they brought into the sport artificially due to the following issue. It looks to me yeah. like the following issue has largely been addressed because I'd there agree. always was dirty air, like, you know, so you never had a hundred percent following in, in any point yeah, of time. Yeah. But the specific issue they were addressing, I think they they knocked most of it out of the park. Thank you, Ross Braun. You know, it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The porpoising is more a result of the teams. And I can only say that because Red Bull wasn't affected by it. And. You know, Adrian Newey was one of the guys that was around when they originally had ground effects, ground effects in the yeah. late seventies, early eighties. So he knew how to deal with it. He recognized what was going to happen. Not everybody did, obviously. Yeah, my understanding was that he designed the car around a higher overall ride height than most other people, mm-hmm. and so they still did get some porpoising, but very minimal. 
and it never really bothered anybody. No, not, um, not enough to where it unsettled the car. Remember how bad the Mercedes right. was? Like it was like they thought it was going to pitch itself sideways. Dude, I remember watching preseason testing, and literally, I there was a shot of Hamilton coming out of a corner, and the rear end just it's it's like someone picked it up and tossed it to the side. Yeah. It's how abrupt it was. It was just this sudden just jolt out to the back. And now he he kept, you know, he contained the car and continued on. Everything was fine. But it was just this massive sidestep yeah. of the rear end. And you're just like, whoa, <laughs> like, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. They they clearly got it. They got it the wrongest. <laughs> <laughs> they they I yeah, they got at least correct to be proper. But yeah. I'm going to say wrongest because it just sounds better. <laughs> We're American. We can say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, all, all that aside, basically, I will be surprised if they don't adjust DRS next season for 2023. I think there's enough evidence to show, especially in a couple of the tracks. Mm -hmm. I mean, even even Abu Dhabi right at the end, like people were getting their overtakes done well before the braking zone. And it's that that's not really the intention of DRS. Yeah. DRS was to compensate for the lack of speed due to dirty air and then you make the move in braking. Yeah. You're not supposed to make the move before braking and they were Yeah, exactly. And you made the move like classic F1 racing is you yeah. made the moves mo unless you had a vastly superior car. You would make the move at the end of the front straight due to the slipstream effect, which is just mm -hmm. the way nature was created, you know. Mm -hmm. You got the car in front braking the air, the guy behind gets a tow. And then, and then you you have to, but you you have to have a good car and be able to get close enough that you can slingshot at the end of the front straight around the car mm -hmm. at, in the first like three three corners basically your first corner or two you know more often, and then off you go you you know you pass completed it's exciting and other than that cars were passing in corners more often due to something called driver skill, <laughs> <laughs> and in DRS. You don't, you didn't need to take a chance, but it's, you know, you're always taking a risk when you pass in a corner because, you know, as we've seen plenty of, you know, corners are where cars come together. And yep. we certainly saw that at Abu Dhabi and, you know, Hamilton's race over after what, turn three or turns five or something, but. Well, it took the rest of the race almost, but yeah, that was right. where. But, it, but in essence, it was, it was a game yeah. over at that point for him because the floor yeah. was broken because of the hit that he took going off track. So. But yeah. point being that, um, you know, the cars, there's risks with passing in corners, but that's where passing primarily occurred other than the, you know, mm -hmm. the toe slingshot thing. So that's mm -hmm. why, and when that, when they couldn't follow in corners, it was eliminating like one of the most important parts of racing. So these new drivers will have to relearn how to pass in corners without DRS. Absolutely. And that's, I think... That's where drivers, like you were saying, that's where driver skill comes in. And that's where yep. a driver who is more skilled and is more able to control their car will shine. But um, I remember from last year, there was an onboard of Perez. And I want to say it was in Barcelona. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Barcelona. At, at any rate, he was following somebody through one of the big right-hand corners. Mm -hmm. And he throughout the corner he was too close because of the dirty air and you just watch him move from the inside line all the way off the track on the outside and that was due to the lack of downforce from the guy in front of him and so you contrast that 
where he's not able to pass and he loses like half a second mm -hmm. due to not, you know, just drift slowly drifting off the track because he doesn't have the downforce, right? Yeah. You move from that to this year where I saw a lot more cars following each other through corners. Yep. And so in that sense, I can say, yes, it was the redesign of the rules was a success. However, mm -hmm. I do think that when we saw certain tracks this year, like Imola, where DRS wasn't enabled until like the very end, it still seems like there's times like that where the DRS didn't seem to change anything and they still had trouble passing. And maybe that's due to Imola specifically. I don't know. But it does seem like there's a bit of room for improvement still. So yeah, that I remember that race because it started off on a wet track, uh -huh. and then and they don't use DRS on a wet track, and then there was a point where the track was completely dry, even the offline, everything's dry, and yeah. and there was like fourteen laps, something like that, where the cars could pass, you know, they where they had a dry track at Imola with no DRS, and passing occurred in the in the corners yeah. and things, yeah, and then when they enabled DRS it didn't change anything. The same amount of passing occurred. So on that track, mm -hmm. it appeared not to be necessary any longer. Yeah, I was looking at statistics for overtakes per track. Mm -hmm. I actually looked into this a, a little bit, and there is mm -hmm. more about overtakes per season I want to get into in a minute. But overtakes per track this year, Imola was one of the lowest. Yes. Whereas you had, I want to say it was Miami was, was a lot higher and like... Jetta was a lot higher mm -hmm. and and Imola was just uh, over the year was one of the lowest overtakes over the year. Yeah. And I would think Monaco so, is <laughs> one of the <laughs> Oh, Monaco was the lowest. Yeah, it yeah. had to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It had to be. But you know, that's yeah. always been that way. DRS yeah. isn't going to change Monaco. So <laughs> yeah. They might as well get rid of it there. But, but speaking of overtakes per year though, mm -hmm. I did find there was a guy who went through and compiled a big Google Doc pulling from all of the official statistics over the past. Well, it goes back to 1984. Okay. And I, I'm not going to go through all of the numbers because that gets tedious, yeah. right? But what we see is in the 84 season, you have uh, about 800 overtakes on the year. Okay. And that was with, uh, I want to say, 17, 16 tracks so what was the lowest overtakes in a year the lowest what what you see was with the trend is ever since 84 there is a a gradual decline throughout the years hmm. of number of overtakes on the year and you have a, a low point and 94 with 287 okay wow that's low you have an even lower point in 96 with 212 that's low yeah and then 98 was also bad it's it hovers around 300 throughout all of the 2000s basically 300 uh, wow. it bri briefly goes up to about 400 and then back down to about 250 until DRS comes in oh yeah and right. it literally DRS literally jumped it up from 600 in 2010 up to 1,250 in 2011. Wow. And so it seems like there may have been a bit of an overcorrection with DRS. <laughs> yeah, thank But regardless, yeah, yeah, regardless, it seems like, like it, it, there was a problem. If we started at around 884 and we're down to, you know, 200 at, at yeah. times, 300 at times, that's a big problem. And I do think that the DRS at the time seemed to be 
pretty effective. Mm-hmm. But again, what you see since DRS came in is a again another slow decline over the last 10, 12 years. And it ended up, I mean, there was in 2017, there was only 500 overtakes that year. Well, they're, they've been trying to address it with different technology, like the curves yeah. and stuff, because curves is like almost like DRS True, yeah. in the sense that if you save your battery power for this front straightaway, then you get kind of a double effect. You get DRS and then you get that extra, you know, 100 horsepower or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's more than that, but you know, for a, for a brief period of time on the straights, or or to defend with, you know, either way, however yeah. you want to use it. But yeah, so there's other technologies that play into this. But I get the point. Yeah, and so what I found most interesting though is that if you compare this year to last year, mm-hmm. there was almost 200 more overtakes this year over last year. And you think, oh, hey, <laughs> you know, we fixed the problem, right? We have more overtakes this year. And yep. I will say, well, hold on a second. If you look at 2019, there were only 50 more overtakes this year over 2019. And so uh, that suddenly is like when you're talking about 1,000 versus nine fi- 950 in 2019, you're like, right. well, is it really that big of a difference? And so I, that's where, yes, there is better following this year. This is kind of the point I'm trying to get to. Right. I feel like there is much better following this year, but I don't know that the overtaking thing is actually much different. It's probably a little bit better, but I don't know that it's a lot better. It'd be interesting to know where the overtakes occur in those years. Yes, actually. after, After DRS came in, I would like to see how many of those passes were in straights as opposed to corners it'd be really interesting yeah i would love to see it broken down by drs overtakes and non-drs overtakes but i don't have that data and i don't i couldn't find it anywhere yeah so i think there's some tracks they they could remove it completely and not change anything they should announce it at the beginning of the season i kind of agree with that because they have to set the cars up differently and things like that but Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah i i think Overall, like if I was in, if I was part of the FIA in a decision-making role, I would want to plan on getting rid of it because again, it's artificial. Yes, true. And and I would plan on getting rid of it at some point in time. I would say, okay, obviously this new ground effects chassis works and some teams got it right and some didn't and the, you know, and some suffered for it. And so like the teams that were copying Mercedes, you know, or whatever, they're, but and who knows because they had the no side pod solution and mm-hmm. I, and supposedly they're not going to change that you know for next year so they may have still found a, a way to to deal with it and remain different mm-hmm. than everybody else we'll find out but yeah it's who knows i i would say i would say that overall let let's put it this way it certainly spiced things up and changed things <laughs> Oh, absolutely. That's kind of what it was. That was another. See, here's where we have to define what does successful mean, right? Because that was another thing that they were trying to do was that plus all of the uh, handicapping of uh, the more successful teams to try to make things more even across teams was to try to shake things up and make it more competitive. And I think I think they, they nailed that. Right. It it was a lot more competitive. Yep. And and the sprint races are the same thing. They're really attempting yeah. to do something similar with those. So Yeah. So I guess my question, I, I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If we're measuring success by overtakes, which maybe you don't measure it that way, but let's just take that as a premise for, for now. Mm-hmm. 
how many since you're advocating for getting rid of DRS altogether? Yeah. How many overtakes on the year would you be okay with as a minimum if DRS was gone? So like if we were to get rid of DRS, but we saw literally half as many overtakes on the year, so like 500 rather than 1,000, is that too few? What about if it was only 200, 250? Is that too few? At what point, basically, would you be looking to bring DRS back? Do you kind of get where I'm coming from? Well, I think, yes, I do. But I think okay. I, I, there's different ways to talk about that. Like, if you here here's what I think might be an interesting discussion. Tell me what you think. It's like, okay, we remove DRS and if the and if overtaking is still an issue, we have to come up with um aero design changes to compensate for it. We gotta figure out uh-huh. figure out why it is. I just don't think DRS needs to come back. I think like if they lowered the regs, if they said, Okay, guys, uh... you 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 know, these all you know, because there's a ton of limitations placed on these cars. True. A lot of them were put there because of DRS. Yeah, and I, I wonder I, I heard somewhere, and so don't quote me on this, it could be wrong, but it's at least this year was at least one of the most restrictive, if not the most restrictive in terms of regulation freedom or design freedom on the car that like in all of F1 history. It was now, it wouldn't surprise me if that's a true statement yeah. because they're they've certainly been going in that direction. And we don't want yeah. it to get like IndyCars where you know there's almost where it's a spec series. Yeah, yeah. spec series. We don't need that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you know eliminate DRS. Like take the plunge. This is like Cortez landing in the new world and burning the ships. Mm. That's how he told his crew that now we have to make it. You know, as long as you mm-hmm. have a way back home, you don't put your full effort into living where you are. Right. You know that's a good point. So I I think maybe maybe they design because it's probably too late for twenty three. But for twenty four, they say twenty four has no DRS designed into the car. Yes, we are not doing DRS in twenty four. I agree. And if there's a problem with overtaking. It's a, okay, teams. Fix it. You you all need to brainstorm on how to for across all of you, not just one team getting the the edge, or maybe just one team getting the edge. I don't know. Yeah, but y'all need to fix it. <laughs> Find a better way to overtake. Yeah, I no, I agree because in 2016 you have new engine requirements coming in where they mm-hmm. have to you know so they're going to have to put a huge focus on that to keep within the cost cap. So. You know, you can't. I don't know that they could bring a, a huge chassis change in before the new engine change. To be honest, um, and that's maintain, also true. And that's main, a good point. And maintain the cost cap. But I think in the uh, what I would like to see is kind of a freeze on trying to unify the cars, and and they should just decide we're not going to make F one a spec series, and we need to stop doing yeah. that. And they should set a goal of getting rid of DRS within the next five years or something, some achievable goal. And yeah. and the sooner the better. And see what the and teams commit to it. And see what the teams think about it. But at the same time, give the teams more freedom in engineering with the car mm-hmm. than they do. Oh now. yeah. Yeah. So And do you think there should be a redesign of DRS zones in general? Because I know there was some talk of like shortening them or having fewer of them or whatnot. Do you think that should be pursued? I wouldn't mind seeing that in 2023. I wouldn't mind seeing some yeah. tracks haven't removed altogether. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, like if like you were Imola takes... and Monaco and a few others, I say just get rid of it, you know, and see what happens. You know, I honestly think that that's... Well, that would take it from like 11 overtakes or 13, well, where's Imola, 
Uh, oh, it was 23 overtakes, but still, it would take it from 23 down to like 12, I would imagine. If I, don't, were to do I that. don't think so, because I don't think it changed that much from when they enabled it mm. to, to before they enabled it on that track. On, I think on they should. I think they should experiment it on tracks that are more easy to pass, like Brazil. Brazil, you can pass. Like, there's a lot of opportunities to pass in Brazil. Yeah. And I think they should trial it at a track like that. Well, I think like I, I think that's that's true. It's it's one of these all the above approaches. I think Emily had yeah, some oh yeah, re- really important data that they could look at. And yeah. go, okay, look, DRS didn't seem to have a big impact. Why was that? And they need some yeah. answers, you know. And yeah. Ross Braun is now retired. He's not part of anything to do with FIA or Formula One mm-hmm. starting in twenty twenty. Unfortunately, uh, well, you know, he was so good, and, and well, it happens. As opposed to the tabloid headlines that he's going to be running Ferrari. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's going to enjoy F one from from home. Oh man, he's he's sixty eight. I can't imagine being anywhere close to that old. Wow. Well, get out of here. Get out of here. Now I'm not sixty eight, but I'm in my sixties. You're close. <laughs> I'm not that close. <laughs> Give me a break. I mean, so, from where I'm uh, sitting, you're pretty close. Anyway, uh, I'm cl- I'm closer to 68 than you are to 40. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for reminding me. Hey, I'm only I'm only still alive because I haven't died yet. So <laughs> uh, that is a true statement. As Keith Richards says, nobody wants to die young, but. Nobody likes getting older, so what do you do? <laughs> You're kind of yeah. stuck, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, but I think that, you know, I, I just don't like the artificial nature. I'm a purist. I'm a, I'm a Formula One purist. I love racing. I love, yeah. I love the engineering aspect and all that. So there you go. Yeah. That's my two cents on it. Yeah. And yeah, good, 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 good conversation. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a good. And you haven't got to experience a non DRS racing season. So you would have something to look that's forward true. to. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, anything else about that or we good to move on? Um, I don't know if it, you know, like we didn't get into any other tech changes. I think the other ones were more nuanced and probably too ticky tacky to for us to talk about we're not smart enough but i think yeah, probably not <laughs> but this one yeah i think we covered it and then we'll see you know i'm i am interested in the new engines i you know the yeah. synthetic fuel. i'd be very curious to see how that goes yeah I, I just really hope they make a good noise that's like the only thing i care about honestly <laughs> i mean i don't think you're getting you're not gonna get a v10 sound out of a v6 even i know I, man i wish they no matter how many turbos V10s. you put on it <laughs> uh, they were so good, man. Those V10s. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, you just got all these yeah. cylinders firing like crazy. Oh, man, it was so yeah. good. A few people out there have not gone on YouTube and listened to the sound of a V12 Ferrari or a V10. Do yourself a favor and see what you're missing. That It's just got an unbelievable sound. There was a mid-90s uh, 12-cylinder Ferrari, I think, yeah. that sounded unbelievable oh yeah and then obviously the whole v10 engine era sounds incredible so yeah do yourself a favor and check those out that's how you know you're a real gearhead when you can tell how many cylinders a car has when it drives by <laughs> well in fairness i really can't i just knew that because that i saw that when i looked up the video i had a three-cylinder motorcycle a bmw k75s and that you could hear the three cylinders compared to a four because i rode four-cylinder oh, kawasaki's in it's got a unique note and a buddy of mine had a three-cylinder 
under uh, Daytona. So you could combine, you could mm. hear both of them together and then compare it to a yeah. Ford. You really could. You could hear it. So, yeah. but anyway. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Alrighty. So hot seat time? Sure. Go for it. All right. So you're in the hot seat this week. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Bring it on. All right. So my question is, if you could go back and be at any one race and only one in F1 history Ooh. in person, as you are now, not as you were then, right? Oh. So like, if you could just teleport back in time and attend any one race in F1 history, which one would you pick? Wow. That is a tough question. I know, right? <laughs> Man, I'm thinking of some of these epic battles with like... I know. <laughs> oh... You know, which which era do you go back to? Do you? Yeah, that's the that's the hard one. Is like I would love. You know, one thing I would love to see in person is because I missed. It was a very busy time in my life when Senna was racing at his peak, and I didn't get to catch mm -hmm. all of the races. I was busy getting married and having kids and stuff. But, um, I would love to have seen Senna win his first title his title you know mm. but yeah as far as any one particular race I, I mean there's so many races i know like this is a this is a difficult because like era i think is easy like well and even honestly even that's and, and what track do you go to like do right. you go to <laughs> do you go to monte carlo and and watch monaco you know, and yeah. if so, which one of those races do you choose? Yeah, and there's then too many iconic. If you go to spot or, you, you you know, and then some of these races, it's hard to figure out where you would be sitting when you yeah. see the race. You know, like it's one of those things. I'm thinking for some reason, I'm thinking that the battles between like Prost and who am I, who am I not? Senna? <laughs> yeah, the Prost-Senna collision where... Uh, they were McLaren teammates, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was that's a famous race. Didn't that also happen when they were Ferrari teammates too? <laughs> I, maybe, but you know, it's one of these things that I don't particularly and I, you know, we try to stay away from things like this, but you know, pros seem to be a, a, to me a very um kind of arrogant self-centered driver, so I didn't he's not one of my favorite historical drivers, but it would be interesting to be at some of these iconic races, but then I'm thinking like what what if you could be there when Mario Andretti clinched the World Driver Championship yeah. or Jackie Stewart? Well, that's what I was thinking. How would you, how would you like to see Jackie Stewart at Monaco in his heyday with yeah. with some of those guys or seeing James Hunt, you know, pull yeah, some like of his maneuvers? Yeah, like that's the thing is like or, yeah. do you go back all the way to the Mario Andretti era or the Jackie Stewart, which is kind of around the same time. Yeah. Or do you go to the, like you said, the, the, the Lauda Hunt, Lauda, Senna Prost. Yeah. And go to the Lauda era, James Hunt. And you, know, you could go to the early 90s and catch both Senna, Mansell, well, not both, but Senna, Mansell, and Schumacher in his early days. How would you like to see Schumacher win his first title with Benetton? Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, that's the problem. The <laughs> Or, or see the fire in the pits, you know, in Benetton. Yeah. You know, the big fire where Jos, you know, Verstappen was actually the guy in the car, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. Max Verstappen's dad is the one in that big famous fireball that, that yeah. you see in, in the, uh, you know, from that era. Um, you know, there's just, 
I, it's honestly, it's hard. I would have to think about that one more as opposed to like a trivia question. That's more of a personal choice question. And I would have to think about it more, but it certainly would be in the, in a, you know, kind of the halcyon days of, you know, so to speak, you know, the, the old era, which was a very dangerous era at the same time, but it would be, mm-hmm. I'd have, but it, it would be something like that. You know, I think, I I would probably honestly for me I, it would be in the eighties because that's when I really got into Formula One initially. Yeah. So I would probably go back to the late eighties and I would love to see, you know, uh, Senna racing maybe maybe at the era where where Schumacher was coming on and just starting to battle Senna. Senna's unfortunately last year I believe and um you know sort of that era early 90s probably with um i would love to see schumacher with benetton for some reason i just thought that team i remember thinking back in the day that team Mm. the colors it just all looked european to me it looked different it was just it and like it just created this it was a cool livery it it created this like romance in my heart for formula one and all things at Mm. the time europe you know and which wasn't unusual in that 80s 90s era in america but um, yeah, yeah, I would probably go back to that era, and because that's when I was super excited about. So it. one of the one of the races where Schumacher got his first win with Benetton. Yeah, I, I think it would be more of a yeah, and it would I would love to see a, a race in Italy, you know, like a really <laughs> yeah, know, that would be interesting. Be, um, just kind of soak up the culture, and either that or mm-hmm. Silverstone, you know, it would be. But I, for some reason, I I think Italy or Monaco would be we one of the italian races or monaco would probably where it would be you know i love spa but there's like unless you're at the top of a rouge <laughs> you know how much are you that gonna, would be awesome how much are you gonna see you know so yeah uh but some of the tracks would be hard to get a good venue from but yeah but i think yeah. in the some of these smaller european tracks you can just and it would be fun yeah. to be with the tifosi of the era and it would be so much fun yeah oh yeah yeah, I like it. Maybe I'll, I'll probably have a good dream about this tonight. Thanks. <laughs> I'll tell you where I wound up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for me, I would have to pick Senna is my all time favorite. Mm. Um, and un- unfortunately, he was well before my time or not well yeah. before, but, you know, slightly before. Yeah. But w- well before I got into F1 for sure. But yeah, I just the the man was an incredible person and he was, I still think, the best driver of all time. Uh, he he never was around long enough to set records yeah. that are that'll last for eternity or whatever. But you were alive. You were just very very young. <laughs> I would have been one passed. when he died. I think. Yeah. So like yeah. I I remember where I was. I I remember exactly the day and where I was and what I was driving when I heard. You know, we had my mm-hmm. oldest son was a little baby in the back of our Saab 900 <laughs> mm. driving home from church on a beautiful Southern California sunny day at the time, mm. you know, and, um, and that's when I, and I just couldn't believe the news, you know, I yeah. just, it was devastating, you know, but. Oh, he died in 94. So I would have been two. Yeah. He died in 94. Yeah. And my oldest was born in 93. So. Yeah. So I, I personally would probably pick, one of the races in 88, most likely, which okay. was, I want to say his first title was in 88. Yeah, that'd be a good era. And I remember there was a really iconic moment in Japan where he clinched the title, mm-hmm. where he stalled on the start 
and dropped way back and had to claw his way back all the way to the front to win. And that was just a really, really cool race. Oh, okay. And I think seeing that in person would be would have been awesome. Like like the nineteen ninety Grand Prix where Senate took out Prost to win the title. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun too. But yeah, I'd probably okay. say Japan eighty eight. Yeah. Or I don't know. A- a- any of his any of his wins around that time would have been great to see in person. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun to see Suzuka from that period of time, like 1990 yeah. or somewhere in the late 80s. So, yeah. I mean, of course, it would be cool to go back to the 50s. As as brutal as that time period was, seeing F1 in its infancy would be oh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be fun to go, like... Like to go to the 50s, 60s, 70s and see a race. Oh, like, the 60s with the wacko, crazy arrowed stuff that they were experimenting yeah, with? That yeah. would have been awesome. It would be fun to go to each era, like the same venue at each yeah. era and see a race and see how the cars change like 10 years apart or something. Yeah. So then if we were to pick one venue for each to go to each once per decade, right? Oh. I would say Silverstone, probably. I'm gonna go with Monaco because really? I wouldn't oh. you love just to sit in a in a coffee shop sipping espresso oh, and yeah smoking cigarettes depending on what year it was and <laughs> <laughs> you know no, I'm teasing but yeah you know but just um you know it, with the yachts in the harbor and just you know seeing how like very little mm. has changed over time except the cars it would be kind of a neat thing that actually would be really cool yeah that would be kind of cool because you know that that's cool. a different race for than all the other ones though i i, I still think i would want to see one of the italian races over the years yeah because there yeah. there's a car culture there there's a racing culture there's there's excitement and uh, you know very emotional responses to things and yeah you know so but silverstone has the benefit of everybody around you you know mostly is speaking your language so <laughs> yeah that would be that'd be fun too so well i was just trying to think of other tracks that have been around since the beginning basically yeah. but yeah yeah that yeah. would be yeah silverstone would be a good one too so yeah. but it's a big track but it's kind of flat so i guess you could see a lot of it you know more than you think you can being in yeah it was built around an airfield so yeah, it was pretty World flat World War two abandoned so. airfield so yeah very interesting. So, yeah, good anyway. good question though. Good good cool. fun to think about. Thanks. Alrighty. Well, um, I guess that's gonna do it for us for today. We will be back in a week's time with an as yet undetermined topic. So be sure to tune in then. In the meantime, though, if you have any questions for us or a hot sweet question, you can email in at Matt at withmyuncle.com or Dan at with my uncle.com and send us your questions and we'll uh we'll address them so until then thanks so much for listening and take care of yourselves